ready to keep you company wherever you are. Carte Blanche, the podcast, brings you immersive, hard-hitting stories anytime, anywhere, every week. Are you ready for another whole week wrap with Daily Maverick and Carte Blanche? We certainly are. Here's what's coming your way today. Wish you were here. Jacob Zuma visits Russia as the Concord delivers its judgment. A case of impeccable timing or a mere coincidence. Could Limpopo Health MEC Dr. Poppy Ramatuba be handed yet another slap on the wrist for her xenophobic remarks? There's mm. a lot of socioeconomic problems and I guess it's easier to cast the blame onto someone else. But the truth is they're not caused by immigrants. They're caused by poor governance and corruption. And how we can keep the spirit of Mandela Day alive all year round. Get comfy and let's get chatting. Welcome to another episode of the Whole Week Wrap with Daily Maverick and Carte Blanche. I'm your host, Lizanne Janssen von Rensburg, and with us today is a voice you haven't heard on here before. It's Maverick citizen journalist Takutswa Pongweni. Takutswa, how are you doing this week? I'm doing pretty well, just a bit chilly, but otherwise all good. That's great to hear. Calling in sick again. Former President Jacob Zuma's bid to stay out of prison was dealt a blow last week when the Constitutional Court found his medical parole is invalid. So will Zuma find himself a prisoner once more? Well, don't hold your breath. I'm getting straight into our very first story, and it's a story many of us were keeping an eye on. It's Zuma's parole case, which came before the Constitutional Court. And in its ruling last week, the Concord found that Zuma's release on medical parole was invalid. It is now up to the National Commission of Correctional Services to decide whether Zuma needs to return to prison or not. But there's a snag, and that is that Zuma isn't currently in the country. He's been a for quite some time. Zuma's team claims that he's been undergoing medical treatment for his alleged poisoning that he suffered uh, several years ago. But I mean, we can't ignore the timing of his Russian visit. Do you believe he planned his trip to perhaps coincide with the Concord judgment? I mean, it's such a coincidence that exactly when the Concord judgment arrives, he's suddenly out of the country. It was confirmed that he would be back in South Africa uh, last week, Tuesday. But I mean, now it's unclear when he'll be back because he said that he intends on extending his trip to Moscow. So, I mean, are you surprised by Zuma's actions or is, is this just kind of the same thing that he does every time? I wish I could say I was surprised, but it's truly a pattern now. As you said, he's extended his trip, but there's a lot of uncertainty. You know, no one knows when he'll come back. It's not clear what exactly he's being treated for. And the Department of Correctional Service is yet to decide on its fate. So, And do you think he will see the inside of a prison again? Or do you think he's a free man and, and that's just how it's going to stay regardless of what the outcomes are from the commissioner? I think that's a really contentious issue. You know, there's arguments for both sides of it. Some people think the law is the law and must apply consistently to all. Others think, you know, given his personal circumstances, including his advanced age, the fact that he spent time on medical parole and wasn't completely free, and that if he can prove that he is actually ill, uh, um, it would mitigate against the need for him to serve 
Morphe's sentence behind bars? Uh, I don't know. I've seen some arguments for him to be placed under house arrest. So let's assume he does get placed under house arrest. Do you think South Africans will be content with that? I think people are very wary of having another July unrest, like Mm. about two years ago. That's a big concern many people have. Then there's also the concern that even if he does go to jail, I think his incarceration period will be no longer than two months. He'll likely be held in really favorable conditions, unlike ordinary prisoners, which I don't think he should, but he likely will. And then if he's on house arrest, it's still relatively comfortable. So the current options, I don't think will really give South Africans what they want. So, yeah, it will be interesting to see what happens. In August last year, Limpopo Health MEC Dr. Popi Ramatuba was filmed ridiculing a Zimbabwean patient at a Bella Bella hospital. The clip quickly went viral and Dr. Ramatuba was called before the Health Professions Council of South Africa, which found her actions to be, quote, unprofessional and unbecoming. Ramatuba rejected this finding. Now she's set to appear before yet another inquiry. But will the outcome be just another slap on the wrist? So our next story is one that you are currently following, and it's about Limpopo Health MEC Dr. Poppy Ramatuba and the remarks that she made in August last year where she accused undocumented immigrants of essentially draining SA's resources. I understand there have been some developments in this matter. Could you maybe update us on this? So earlier this year, the Health Professions Council cited her for unprofessional conduct and unbecoming behavior over her aunt. And a lot of people expressed disappointment at the Health Professions Council for giving her essentially a slap on the wrist, you know, which is a sentiment I can agree Mm. with. So with the upcoming disciplinary inquiry, the hope is that her punishment, if there is one, is not as limp, so to say. People are hoping for maybe a temporary suspension as an outcome, removal from the HPCSA register, a fine or compulsory professional service, for example, just something that really sends a warning to other health professionals or those who have abdicated their professional duties in treating everyone equally. Mm-hmm. And and you just touched on the HPCSA previous finding, which I agree with you, it was absolutely a slap on the wrist. Could we perhaps see Ramatuba face greater consequences in this week's inquiry? I'm not too sure on that. I do know, however, that what she said, there's a legal framework around it and she shouldn't be able to say that. The Constitution sets out that everyone has the right to help and every child has the right to basic health care services. The National Health Act of 2003 makes provision for health care services that must be offered for free. And those include services to pregnant and lactating women, children below the age of six, primary healthcare services to all persons and free abortion services. So legally, she's in the wrong for all of the statements. Mm-hmm. The, the narrative that she's pushing, um, that foreign nationals are to blame for poor healthcare services and for placing a burden on the healthcare system, it's, it's a dangerous narrative. It's an untrue narrative. And it's coming from someone holding public office, a public servant and a leader in government. It's frankly very disappointing to hear such remarks from her. So I'm really hoping that the HPCSA takes her remarks seriously and 
basically make an example out of her. There are some South Africans who will say, but listen, our health system is already under great strain. The, the undocumented foreigners who rely on our health system, yes, they are draining the system. You've just touched on, on the aspect that that claim is untrue. Can you maybe elaborate a bit more on that? So when dealing with the claims that foreign nationals burden the healthcare system, it's important to remember that in South Africa, only about 3% of the population are foreign-born. And the number of migrants and refugees using the South African healthcare system is more likely in line with this percentage. There's also research that showed that migrants in the SADAC region are not moving in search of healthcare and are typically healthy. And foreign nationals, just like South Africans, pay for certain healthcare services. They're either subject to the same means to test hospital fees or they're subject to the highest fees if they're undocumented and not consented. Mm. The issue is not migrants' use of healthcare system, but rather how government fails to plan budgets with migration in mind, you know. It's not only external migration, but also internal migration, for example. You know, people moving within the country of their birth between provinces accounts for much more than cross-border migration in SADC, you know. An example, an entire family moves from the Eastern Cape to Gauteng. That's impacts the Gauteng healthcare system, you know, mm. and those aren't foreign nationals. I, I always feel that these these kinds of conversations, you know, I really want to bring the facts into these conversations because it is a very emotional conversation that people have and they, they tend to have an, a very emotional response to these topics. It is an emotive subject and it's it's very easy to get warped up into this you know, the hysteria that goes on. And when mm. someone breaks it down and explains what's actually happening, it's so much easier to understand. Many of those same South Africans will also say, like, what's the big deal? You know, she made this comment at, and it was leveled towards a, a single patient, the Zimbabwean patient. So what's the big deal? Why is government spending so much time and money to address this? So why does it matter for those who maybe doubt the importance of this? Well, essentially, it's scapegoating in South Africa. There's mm. a lot of socioeconomic problems. And I guess it's easier to cast the blame onto someone else. But the truth is they're not caused by immigrants. They're caused by poor governance and corruption. You know, many politicians, public officials and other high-profile people regularly make anti-immigrant statements that fuel xenophobia. You know, It's easy to hear her statement like this, to believe it, and you now have a conversation with your friend and that's how it spreads. You know, Now you have doctors and nurses and healthcare practitioners who aren't honoring their oath because they now believe these sentiments. You know? That's exactly, as you've said, it, it spreads and eventually you end up with people within the health sector believing these sentiments and and furthering them and putting lives at risk unnecessarily. Mm, exactly. Each year on the 18th of July, individuals and organizations from around the world come together to give back in honor of late President Nelson Mandela. Whether it's a soup kitchen, providing clothing and blankets, instilling vital life skills or simply bringing a smile to someone's face, Mandela Day is a celebrated day globally. But it's also a reminder for us all to continue paying it forward every day of the year. We cannot end things without a bit of a green shoot. This is something that Ferial Hafiji brought to the show right at the beginning. She said we cannot cover South African news without bringing some hope. And so we always 
quite hard to find good news and end the show on a more positive note. And I want us to talk about Mandela Day, even though it happened last week and it's over and done with. I know that you were following the day's developments closely last week. So what stood out for you? So this year's Mandela Day, the global theme was It's In Your Hands. And the Nelson Mandela Foundation requested that the activities of this year's Mandela Day be linked to the themes of climate, food and solidarity. So across the country, we saw some really nice activities going on. There was tree planting to mitigate the effects of climate change at Constitutional Hill. Um, In the Eastern Cape, the Gift of the Givers handed out wheelchairs. There was a coding tournament across 75 sites in the country. So it was really nice to see everything going on. I think what stood out for me this year was the amount of people realizing that Mandela Day should move from just being a symbolic day, so to say. It's more about sustainable solutions, you know. So, for example, you have a soup kitchen on Mandela Day and 50 people who typically wouldn't get a meal get a meal for that day. But what happens to them the rest of the week, the rest of the month, the rest of the year? So I think a lot of people are starting to sort of want to think bigger and think more sustainably to help out. And it's very cliche to say it, but to make every day a Mandela Day. And I mean, this feeds beautifully into my next question. I think a lot of us struggle to come up with ideas on how to really just be kinder and empower others around us, and especially the most vulnerable within society. So, I mean, what are some of the things that you maybe you've done in your personal life or that you've picked up during your coverage of Mandela Day on how South Africans can sustain this kind of spirits of giving and empowering and enriching? I think there's a lot of organizations around your community that do a lot of stuff that maybe we aren't aware of. So I think maybe a quick Facebook or Twitter search about what's going on, who's doing what, and speaking to the people who are actually on the ground to give you a better insight, you know. Sometimes you go to a place and you have you have blankets, for example, but what they really need is something else you know so Mm -hmm. just truly understanding what exactly it is people need and responding to those needs and that way I think it's more impactful because you're actually helping them and you're not just doing something that makes you feel Mm, yeah, unfortunately, with with today, especially because there's so much crime out there, you know, we tend to kind of really live in our own little bubbles because we want to kind of protect ourselves. That we lose sight of what's happening out there to other people. So I think uh, another good approach is to just speak to other people, pay more attention to what's happening within your immediate communities and then start from there instead of trying to go big or trying to give as much money as you can or rather just pay attention to what's happening around you and to the people who are asking for assistance. So just kind of step out of your bubble. Exactly. And you've touched on it, but with all the news we hear about crime and corruption and just all the bad things, it's very easy to fall into this hole that everything around you is all doom and gloom. But I promise you, there are people out there who are doing incredible. And when you reach out to them and see what they're doing, it will inspire you and will just make it so much easier to do something. 
Absolutely. And and it's also important because I think, you know, we've covered a lot of these stories of just individuals making a massive difference in their communities. I know Daily Maverick has covered a lot of those stories as well. And I think it's important for the media not to allow those type of stories to get lost in between this entire mess of negativity and political issues, you know. So I, I really do hope the media give more exposure to these kinds of individuals and organizations so that the average South African is also inspired at the end of the day. And on that inspiring note, we end today's wrap. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. Thank you so much. And that's 